This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Pray if you've had a rough week, and I know some of you have. You know, King David said in the Psalms, and I believe it's Psalm 62, he said, when my heart is overwhelmed, Lord, lead me to the rock that's higher than I. King David said in Psalm 3, he said, for thou, O Lord, art shield for me. You're the glory and the lifter of my head. There's days, I tell you, just pray that. Say, Father God, you're the glory and the lifter of my head. Help me. So my prayer for you tonight, if you've had a rough week or if you've had a great week, keep going to the rock that's higher than you, okay? All right. You got a Bible, go with me to the book of Psalms, chapter 50. Now, we're on the area of, of faith till, uh, still. I've, I've kind of taken off on just a little direction. I'm, I'm going back to the Faith Hall of Fame in Hebrews 11. Um, I don't know when, a couple weeks. You know, the way, I, the way I look at Wednesday nights, I got 52 Wednesday nights every year. So you know what? We'll just keep dissecting this. And I tell you, God, I, God is a faithful God. He'll just begin to put stuff in my heart. So we've gone on an area about the power of our tongue. Uh, better stated, the power of your tongue. We referenced uh, Proverbs 18, 21. says, death and life are in the power of your tongue. That's for every one of us. Now, I told you to go to Psalm 50. Before we get there, I, I want to quote this. And this was in the message translations. This is Proverbs 8, verse 6 and 7. It says, you only hear true and right and excellent words from my mouth. True, right, and excellent words from my mouth. Now, when I read that today, I said, Father God, whoo, you're going to have to grace me. Because I want out of my mouth to come what's true, that's to get in line with the Word of God, what's right, which is righteousness, or the right things with God, and what's excellent. Now, it's interesting that, that all those are in there, but here's a thought for you tonight. With your words and my words, we're either building bridges or we're blowing up bridges. With my words, I'm either uniting or I'm severing. That can be even in the area of, of relationships. Do you realize that your words are either uniting or severing? And so you may say, well, show us some things. Well, begin with me here in Psalms 50, verse 16. But to the wicked, God says. Now, none of you in here are wicked, okay? But I want you to see something. I'm going to give you two analogies to start with. So right here, he's, he's addressing wicked, the wicked. For God says the wicked. So let's, let's pay attention to what he says here. What right have you, the wicked, to declare my statutes? You know what he just said? What right, if you're wicked, do you have to declare the word of God? In other words, you live like the devil, but you want to quote the word of God. He goes on to say, or you take my covenant in your mouth. Seeing you hate instruction, you hate discipline, and you cast my words behind you. When you saw a thief, you consented with him, and you have been a partaker with adulterers. Now let me tell you this, when, you, when I read this, this is what, one of the things I really got. God will justify the sinner through the blood of Jesus. God justifies the sinner, but God does not justify the sin. God doesn't take pleasure in that. 
He goes on to say, And you have been a partaker with the adulterers. You give your mouth to evil. The message says, your mouth drools filth. You've dispatched your mouth for evil. Now think about this, who he addressed it. He addressed the wicked when we first started. So look, look at what he's saying here about the wicked. You give your mouth to evil, and your tongue frames deceit. The word deceit is rooted in lying. So he said, you're identified by the, the, the line that comes from your mouth. Verse 20. And you speak, and you sit and speak against your brother, and you slander your mother's son. Now it's interesting what he begins to say. You begin to see a pattern of the wicked, and it's almost uh, uh, the words that they say out of their mouth, their life follows them. This is what this is dealing with. And so you begin to see right here that, man, i, I got to control my tongue. i got to watch my tongue. Now, I want you to see a positive side of your words. Go with me to the book of Matthew, chapter 18. Matthew, chapter 18. You know, we live in a country where we have an amendment right called the freedom of speech. And we're seeing that used really well right now. But I can tell you this, speech isn't free, okay? Death and life are in the power of the tongue. So this is a passage that I, I, I really, really, really want you to see this tonight. And let this get in your heart. Because this truth right here will literally revolutionize your life if you'll get a hold of it. Not, not just to know this, but to actually do this. So we begin, Matthew 18, just verse number 19. And he says, again, I say to you, now this is the Lord Jesus speaking, he said, I say to you, that if two of you, if just two of you, agree on earth concerning anything, that's an interesting statement right there. If two on you of earth agree, right here on earth, not when we get to heaven, but right here on earth, on anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. So he gives us some great insight on here. To agree with someone, i got to ask. And so to ask, I have to open up my mouth. Now, it's interesting that he said, if two of you are agreed. So to get to... That would be getting in agreement with another believer or another person. I can tell you, I believe the strongest prayer of agreement that you can have is in a marriage covenant. Now, if you're not married, that's okay. You're not eliminated, all right? That's not what I'm saying. Don't say, that gum, i got to go and get married tonight. i got to get married. i go to 7-Eleven, see if I get married. That's not what I'm saying, Okay. The only reason I say that is because the Lord said there in Genesis, He said, when you marry, you become one. You become one, okay? That's the significance of the marriage covenant. But He said, if you agree. Now, listen what that word agree means. It means to sound together. To be in accord. To be in harmony. The Greek word for this, now I'm going to read this real slow so I don't butcher it. It's sum. Fo, nay, oh. 
Sum, fo, eno, which we get the word symphony for. The actual meaning of that Greek word that I just pronounced, and I'm not going to do it again. The word means to agree together in prayer. So what he's telling us about, that when you grab someone by the hand and you agree with them in prayer and you ask, now watch, watch how it ends. Our job, me and you, is to agree in prayer and to ask, but look what Father God's job is. And it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. So our job is to get in agreement and ask. And God's job is to do the rest. And so I can, I can know this verse, but do I actually obey this? Now this is a powerful truth, guys. Powerful truth. And so for years and years and years of my life, we saw this when we were young, young believers. And so when we were young, young, me and Shelly began to get in agreement in the, the prayer of agreement. We figured out that if two of us will begin to agree on things, so we've walked in this and we've operated in this in so many areas of our life. When, when she graduated from college, Shelly graduated from college one year in May as a school teacher. She began to apply for jobs. And so in early June, we began to get an agreement. And we would pray this, Father God, we thank you for a good job for Shelly. We ask you to open the doors. We would hold hands and we'd pray that. Well, that summer, I remember, June comes around, no jobs. July comes around, no jobs. Well, you know, school starts in August. Remember, he said, if two of you will agree on earth on anything, you ask, you call on the Lord. God will do it. He'll answer. So again, man, your little head will start swimming. But you hold fast on that prayer agreement. You say, Father God, I believe you're a covenant God. I believe you heard us. And I'll never forget, school was going to start on a Monday. It was like Thursday night. She got a call and said, we hired you. I was like, whoa, God, you, you cut that one close. We've gotten a prayer of agreement for her jobs. We've gotten a prayer of agreement for me a job. We've got into prayer agreement in buying homes and selling homes. We've got into agreement on buying cars and selling cars. We've got into agreement over praying for our children. I'm praying for a son right now. And so we just get in the prayer agreement. So I'm, I'm encouraging you, get in the prayer agreement. i got to begin to speak those things out of my mind. I ask, and I ask according to the Word of God. Here's a good one for you. This is a very practical one. Me and Shelly got married when we were real, 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 real young. Woo, woo, <laughs> There's times I wanted to look at her daddy and say, what were you thinking allowing her to marry me? <laughs> How old were you, Pastor? I was a whopping 20. She was 17. Man, when I see 17-year-old girls in our church, my head freaks out. I'm like, oh my gosh. So we go to Bible school. We get married two weeks later. We go to Bible school. We move up there, and of course, you know, we're newlyweds. We don't have a whole lot. I remember our first piece of furniture. I saw a guy throw a love seat out by the dumpster, so man, we took it. We took that dude. We were so happy to have it. So you go to Bible school, and I, I remember the first days, they said, you know, we want you to look like a minister. Show up. Well, man, back in those days, 
We didn't have hardly anything. I had a couple pair of pants and a couple shirts and some raggy old ties. And I would walk in there, and man, all these guys were looking good. So me and Shelly got in the prayer of agreement. And we prayed, and we said, Father God, we ask you to bring us some nice clothes and stuff. I mean, we got, we got into detail. I said, Father God, I want some suits, plural. Well, I'm in here a couple months, go along, and in the month of October, this guy knocks on the door, and I open it, and he goes to the Bible school, and he said, can I come in? I said, yeah, and he said, the Lord told me to bring these to you. And he had four suits. And he said, I don't know if they'll fit you or not. I thought, they're fitting. I don't care if they fit or not. They're fitting. They're fitting. I don't care if skinny jeans were out back then. They're in now. I, so, man, I put them on. Oh, my gosh. And so there was one that I remember it was outstanding. It wasn't just, a, it, was, it was one of those ones you were styling, smiling, and profiling. When you, so I wore it. A guy who went to school with us, he lived down by me, and he goes, dang. That's a good-looking suit. I was like, yep. That evening, I go to hang it up. Now, this is how the Lord will move with you. When I say the Lord will speak to you, the Bible says He'll speak to you in a still, small voice. He'll begin to, to, to deal with your thinking. So I'm hanging that suit up, and right there in my thoughts, I hear this. I want you to give that suit away. Well, I ignored it. I thought, I didn't hear God. He said it again. I want you to get that suit away. Well, he said it the third time. And if you've ever had God deal with you, he became a little more authoritative each time. And so I remember saying to Father God, I said, I don't want to give that suit away. I like it. And the Lord dealt with me. So the next day, I went down the hall to that guy who I went to school with. And I said to him, I said, I'm supposed to give this to you. He had tears in his eyes. He said, I didn't have a suit. The next day, he came walking in. He looked like a little banny rooster, man. I mean, he was strutting. Why do I tell you that? Because in my life, I've, I've never, now this, this may seem practical, I've never lacked for suits. It goes all the way back to that prayer of agreement. And then once I got that, I would sew. I'd just sew. I'd sew. I'd sew, I'd sew, I'd sew seeds on areas of suits. If you know anything about suits, I don't know why I'm telling you all this, but if you know anything about suits, there's a brand called Hickey Freeman. If you ever open up the side of a coat and it says Hickey Freeman, that's the cat daddy right there. Pastor, you ever owned a cat, Hickey Freeman? Uno. And that Uno, I didn't buy it. It was given to me. And when that guy gave it to me, and I looked down there, and I saw that Hickey Freeman, whoo, sham-a-lam-a-ding-dong. I was like, man, alive. Woo, we've hit the jackpot. I had that suit for about a year, and the Lord said, give it away. I didn't tug a war with him then. I said, okay, I'll do it. So again, what I'm telling you, you get into that prayer of agreement, and God will begin to move in your life. God will move. Get into the prayer of agreement, just like he said here, okay? This, this is so significant that we get this, all right? Now, go to the book of James, chapter 3. James, chapter 3. And many, James is right after Hebrews. Many will say about James that James is the Proverbs of the New Testament. 
James deals big with your mouth, your morals, big time and stuff. So in, in this passage here with James, he's going to give us some, some facts about the power of your tongue. We begin in James chapter 3, verse 1. We'll get ready, okay? My brethren, fellow believers, brothers and sisters in Christ, let not many of you become teachers. Why? Knowing that you will receive a stricter judgment. So I look at this and I ask myself, what's the prominent way that we teach? It's through our mouths. It's through what we say. Now it's interesting that he says, you, you better think twice about being a preacher. One of my first weeks in Bible school, they showed us this. And they said, I, I want you to know this, okay? Because the words that go out of your mouth, you're going to be held to a stricter judgment. You can come look at my Bible after it's over. That stuff's marked up. I've never forgot that stuff. That's why you better preach the Word of God. Keep reading. For we all stumble in many things, or we've all stumbled in many things. Yes, 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 we have. If anyone, now watch this, if anyone does not stumble in word, the New Living says, for if we could control our tongues. Now look, look, look what he says. If we do not stumble in word, he is a perfect man. That word perfect here means complete soundness. More particularly applied to believers, it means maturity. So he said, if we do not stumble in word, he is a perfect man and able also to bridle the whole body. So what he's telling us here, if I don't stumble in words, if I control my tongue... My whole body will line up with it. What a statement. Actually, you could go, whoa. And so what he's telling us about is how powerful our tongue is. Now, that last phrase there where it says, he is a perfect man also able to bridle the whole body. If you were here last weekend, that phrase right there is cross-referenced to, to Matthew 12. Verse 34, 35, 36, 37. Matthew 12, 34 says, Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what you put in your heart is going to come out of your mouth. Verse 35 says, For a good man out of the good treasure of his heart will receive this. A bad man or an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart. So what's in my heart is going to come out, either good or evil. Matthew 12, verse 36 says, For every idle word that man speaks, you're going to give an account of it. For every inoperative word that you speak, you're going to give account of it. And then in verse 37 it says, For by your words you will be justified, or by your words you'll be condemned. So now, James gets back over and he says a great thing. If you do not stumble in word, you are a perfect man. Able also to bridle the whole tongue. That's some heavy stuff right there. Now what he does next is he's going to give us three analogy that he will show that the tongue is disproportionately powerful. 
compared to the rest of our body. Jump with me to verse 3. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they obey us. By putting this little metal piece in a horse's mouth, it trains them to be obedient. Look what he goes on to say. And with this little bit in the horse's mouth, we turn their whole body. So right here, he begins to give us an illustration of the power of controlling your tongue or your words. And he said, you'll treat a horse to obey, but also you'll treat a horse or you'll teach a horse to go in the direction that you want him to go. How? By that bit in his mouth. So guess what he's saying here? Just as that bit controls a horse and teaches a horse obedience and teaches a horse in which way it should go, that's the same that your tongue will do. If you're heading in the wrong direction in life, you might look at what's coming out of your mouth because I am directly related to my words. Now, I want you to think about something just for a minute. If there's a wild horse... As long as that horse is wild, he's of no good or no use. What do I mean by that? Well, you can't ride him. You can't catch him. And so until a horse is broken, they have no direction, they have no purpose, and literally they have no lasting value until he's broken. And so to a degree, you know what he's telling us? You better break that tongue. You better learn to speak in line with the Word of God. And so he's saying, again, if you don't like the direction you're headed in life, just listen to what you're saying because your tongue will locate you. Wow. Now turn back just a couple pages, and we may come back to this, but go to James chapter 1 because I want you to see another thing here. This is an incredible passage of Scripture. We'll get back to James 3, either this week or next week, and you'll begin to see these analogies. It's unbelievable to me. James 1, verse 26. If anyone among you thinks or claims he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but he deceives his own heart or he fools his own heart, This one's religion is useless. So it's interesting here that he says, if you do not bridle your tongue. The New Living says, if you do not have tight rein on your tongue. So I begin to look at the word bridle and I said, what what actually does bridle mean? The word bridle means it will lead. The word bridle means to hold in check. The word bridle means to restrain. So he's telling me right here that if I don't bridle my tongue, if I don't hold my my tongue in check, if I don't restrain my tongue, the very things I'm doing will be useless. Again, you can be doing everything you want in the world, but if I don't control my tongue. Now here's a good, good verse for you. Uh, Proverbs 10 verse 19 in the message says, The wise 
measure their words. You know what he's saying by measuring your words? They think before they speak. They pay close attention before they allow words to come out of their mouth. So this can be very stout when I look at this in this passage and then back in James 3. So to, to evaluate our lives, i got to start listening to what's coming out of my mouth. i, I got to pay very close attention to my mouth. If you remember a few weeks ago, Proverbs 18, 20, it says you'll be satisfied with the fruit that comes out of your mouth, whether good or bad. And so to me, the Lord is he's elevating this in our lives and it's saying, man, you've got to get a hold of your tongue. You've got to watch what comes out of your mouth. So you, you, you've heard me say this. It's very powerful when I begin to get my tongue in agreement with the Word of God. Now that's not based on what I see and that's not based on what I feel, but something happens that when I speak the Word of God out of my mouth, that's the rhema, that's the spoken word. You want the word of God to come alive? Speak it out of your mouth. Start saying what God says. Not just what, you got to get that in, i got to get that in me day by day. i got to start speaking those things. And again, you can't be moved by what you see. you got to keep saying, this is what the word of God says. It goes back to the prayer of agreement. I stand on that prayer that we agreed. So I don't know what you're going in in your life right now, but if you're in a very difficult area of your life, Find scripture and start speaking the word. Start speaking the word. And when you see something negative happen, don't allow those negative thoughts because guess what? Those words that come out of my mouth, if they're negative, they're going to start directing me. I'm going to go into that direction. But if I'll keep speaking the word of God, something will begin to happen. Something will begin to change. So what happens with us is we take the word of God on the inside of us. The Word of God is alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Something happens when I begin to get the Word of God in me. I, I inhale it. I inhale the Word of God in my heart. And then when I exhale it, I exhale it out of, out of my mouth. This may be a rough illustration, but I'm going to go ahead and do it. I used to do that a lot. In a different way. <laughs> Not cigarettes either. When I begin to inhale the word of God. And then I exhale it by speaking it. I inhale the word. I take the word of God in and I speak it. Um, years in my life. I, I had just bizarre stuff that would happen. As a little boy in sleepwalking. Kept getting worse and kept getting worse and kept getting worse. I mean, bizarre stuff. It didn't matter how many deadlocks you had on the door, I was out. I was out on the town and didn't even know it. Scary thought. I could tell you stories after stories after stories. And so, and I, I, I began to get wore out by it. It was, it was working on me, and so guess what? I go into the Word of God. Anytime you find the Word of God, that's your title deed. So I found in the Word of God where it says, He gives His beloved sweet and peaceful sleep. Proverbs Proverbs 3.24, Psalms 4 and 8, Psalms 127.2. Every one of those talk about your sleep. There's a great one in, in Ecclesiastes, I believe it's 5 and 6, and it says, the man who labors has sweet and peaceful sleep. 
I began just to get in agreement with the Word of God. So you know what I would say before I'd go to bed? I'd say, Father God, you said in Proverbs 3.24 that you give your beloved sweet and peaceful sleep. I thank you tonight. I'm going to have sweet and peaceful sleep. Man, that first night is like a tornado. It's bad again. Take the Word in. Exhale it out. Keep taking the Word in. Keep speaking it out. I kept speaking. I speak it. Man, I go to bed. I said, thank you, Father God. I'm going to have sweet and peaceful sleep tonight. I'm going to sleep like a baby in the name of Jesus. I'm going to sleep. The word of God began to take root. Begin to take root. Didn't happen overnight. Something happens when you stick with the word of God. Now, I can tell you this right now. If I would have started saying, man, I sleepwalk every night. I sleep horrible. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to walk all over town. Like, guess what? I'm going to start going to the directions of the word because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So when I feed my spirit on the word of God, out of the abundance of the heart. So let me ask you, what are you putting in your heart? Because if you put the word of God in your heart and you keep putting the word of God in your heart, that's what's going to come out of your mouth. And so something happens, and I'm just telling you, stick with it. Stick with it, stick with it, stick with it. Just keep speaking. I don't care if you've got to write three by five cards for a while and you start speaking those words. Say that over your life. Begin to, if you're having problems with your children sleepwalking, Man, begin to speak the things of God over their room. Speak the things of God over their pillow. Lay hands on them and say, you're going to sweet, sweet and peaceful sleep tonight in the name of Jesus. Brethren, fellow believers. So guess what? According to Acts 10, 34, God said, or to the apostle Peter, Peter said, I perceive God's no respecter of persons. Do you know what that means? The very thing, things that God did for me, he'll do for you. But I gotta get the word in me and I gotta stand and I gotta stand and I stand. So, your homework assignment this week is to find scripture that pertain to you. Whatever's going on, whatever you're dominated. Here's a good one for you Colossians 1.13 says, He delivered me out of the power of darkness. What's the darkness in your life right now? Identify it, whatever it is. It can be fear. It, it, it can be drugs. It can be alcohol. Begin to say what the Word of God says about you. Begin to speak that. And you watch what will begin to happen. And so again, it may not happen overnight. I pray it does. Woo, wouldn't that be wonderful? But guess what? Are you going to stay? You have need of endurance. You're going to have to keep going day by day by day. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.